Welcome to Campfire Football, everybody. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 70, The Nonsense Narratives. I had to go through a few different titles on this one because originally, as I've been doing, trying to do an episode a day for the Euros, keep you up to date on three games at a time because six is really quite a bit. But the England-Scotland game, though there was not a lot of drama on the field, one of the titles I was working with, in any of the games yesterday, it was the off-field drama from the England-Scotland game that I knew was coming when that result finished. And so I'm going to get into that a little bit with some audio clips that I pulled from some pundits, radio people, things that kind of drove me insane and things that also helped to understand what I think is wrong with England at the core. We'll also talk about the other, all the games that happened, especially Group F today. But I want to start with what we dealt with yesterday, and I say dealt with because, yeah, it was uh, it was rough. It was a lot of minutes without much going on, all right? We played 270 minutes of football, saw three goals, two penalties. There's one good one from Perisic, but the pro- shot probably should have been saved by the goalkeeper. Uh, the drama was not really happening on the pitch yesterday. It really all happened off it. But let's stick with what happened on the field first. The Sweden-Slovakia game, 1-0. Sweden probably booked themselves a ticket for the next round, obviously, because four points is always, I I think that's going to get every every team with four points, I think, is likely to go through. We will see. This is one of the reasons I don't want to do a prediction show on that third round of group stage matches, because who knows? It could get really, really, really messy. But... I think Sweden, they're doing well. They're on track to basically do what they did in 2018, right? Get to the quarterfinals. Depends who they play. If they can actually, if they get an opponent where they, you know, can feel comfortable in a game plan, then I see no reason why they can't go ahead and just move a little bit closer, maybe get to the semifinals. But they're not supremely talented, but they get the job done. They're quite efficient. And they and they have belief in being able to do this. They did it just three years ago in Russia without Zlatan, without Alexander Isak as well. They had almost less star power than they do right now. So, yeah, doing pretty well. Um, Slovakia played all right, but, look, this game lacked real quality. And that was basically the same for the rest of the day. That was the first one. little warning sign. Czech Republic... Um, or the Schick Republic, as we can probably start calling him, because he has all three of their goals in this tournament. Scores on a penalty after getting jacked in the face. My goodness, the blood that he had coming out of his nose. Um, he's very well cleaned up for the second half, got to say. It was good, but uh, surprised that the referee let him take the penalty with like blood coming down out of his face. That, I thought, was kind of interesting. As far as the penalty goes... Look, I I don't have a problem with that if the referee calls it on the spot, right? If the referee sees it as a foul in the moment and decides penalty. I have no issues with it. But for you to go to VAR and take a look at it a, fu- a bunch of times and basically decide that because the elbow hits the face bef- a fraction of a second before he heads the ball then it's a bookable offense and it's a penalty. I mean, look, again, I'm not against the idea that it could have been called a penalty, but I don't think that was a clear and obvious error to not call one there. I think they just get a little bit more strict when it comes to elbows, you know, facial injuries, things like that. They want to be a little bit more careful. So I understand, but I really don't. I, I mean, look, Dan Lovren, I've seen him throw some elbows. This didn't look like one of those to me. Shit came from behind him. Shit jumped after him. Uh, 
to me, that 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 did, that wasn't naughty, but he certainly got punished for it. And you were really wondering what Croatia would do because Croatia were once again pretty pedestrian. They didn't create a whole lot. I think one really nice corner kick routine in the first half where Luka Modric played it short, got it back, one touch pass to Perisic who got a decent shot off, but that was pretty much it. They come out of the sec, come out in the second half, score quite quickly, and you're thinking, okay, like. How's this game going to go from here? Because the Czech Republic aren't going to lay down. They're confident. They probably fully believe that they can go ahead and win this game. If they can win the group, they'll feel like they're in a great position. It gives you tons of confidence to go forward. Croatia were a little bit better in the second half, but not much. And, yeah, I mean, in the end, it's uh, it's a little disappointing to, say, to have seen Croatia, you know, walk through this group and be really – pretty poor then again they play Scotland on the final day and if they win that they, they very well may go through of course Scotland are in a little bit of a different position because of the way they've been playing but look like Czech Republic they're basically through right they already have the four points um it's not job done yet obviously as we know that you know England also have four points and you could see Scotland or Croatia also ending up on four points so I'm pretty sure these teams are all through but the amount of teams in this tournament that could end up on four at the end of the group is mental. So we'll have to see. I do think that uh, Croatia are – they're in trouble in the sense that they really have to start finding some kind of intensity that we saw from them in the World Cup. It's just not been there. It's just – there's been a little bit of quality, but the intensity is what's missing from them. And we, we'll see how this pans out. But at the moment – I think a lot of people who called Croatia potential flops in the tournament, they may they may be kind of right in the end of uh, at all this. Okay. England Scotland. Look, I, I I did not think it was a very good game. Obviously, I think most people would agree it wasn't that great. Scots enjoy it. I hope you I hope you loved it. You know, you got your draw at Wembley. That's a great thing. Gives you a great shot to get into the next round. I, I think it's great for Scotland. It's the result they probably, it's a, it's a result they very much were willing to take. <clears throat> I think they feel now that they might have been able to stretch England a little further and maybe win it. But they also defended really valiantly to try and keep them out. Uh, Billy Gilmore, man of the match, love that. Think that's just an excellent thing. But like this is weird because this is the oldest dar- This is the oldest match, the oldest fixture in international football. It should be really a celebration at Wembley, right? This is your mecca of football match. And instead, the English boo their team off the field at the end of a nil-nil draw in which they basically have secured advancement to the next round. There were chances for England. Stones hits the post. Uh, That was obviously the biggest chance. Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, they all created good opportunities, got into decent zones. Harry Kane had that one diving header any of those go in and and they were all absolutely good enough chances to be scored but also you know missing them was not it's not like missing a sitter or a or missing an open goal but that cutting edge in those games is what's needed to win were England bad I don't think so at all I mean I think Scotland were spirited enough to create a couple chances make England worry a few times but Overall, I watched this England display, and my biggest problem, and I think a lot of people feel this way as well, was the substitutions, right? Who, when, why certain people 
maybe didn't come into the play. I don't have a problem with the starting lineup. It's good enough to win. But when certain things aren't functioning, how do you change it? Who do you bring on? The fact that Jaden Sancho hasn't gotten any minutes, yes, that is cause for concern for people. Everyone wants to see Jack Grealish playing, and understandably, he's really exciting. But this is why I called this episode The Narratives Are Nonsense, because prior to the tournament starting, Phil Foden and Mason Mount were undroppable basically because they got to the Champions League final and had a really good season. Jack Grealish was really on people's minds, but he'd been injured for such a long time that he didn't feel like a bang-on starter. Raheem Sterling, most people thought that his form kept him from being able to start as well. So in all this, you've basically got you know, options that everyone has a problem with or something for or against. Not many people were talking about Jaden Sancho and how he should be starting. Well, now all of a sudden that the goals haven't flown, they're like, where, where, where's he been? Well, not many of you cared in the first place. I think Jude Bellingham should be starting over Declan Rice. I think that should have been the case from the very beginning, personally. But, hey, Declan Rice is a good option as well. England are not playing badly. They're just not. And it's frustrating to see because over this time, you know, we we have witnessed the way the fans and the pundits and everyone have just not seemed to understand the situation they're in. This is tournament football. England did fine. When Southgate talked about what decisions they were making at the end of the game, should they really risk it and charge and go for the winner? Or should they just be a little bit more pragmatic, not let themselves be too opened up, gladly take the point, progress to the next round, and worry about the rest? Okay. Now, that, I mean, for a lot of teams, I think that that's sufficient, at least in the group stage. Yes, you want your team to have flair, you want your team to play well, but you got to get out of the group stage. Right, A lot of teams fail to do so, partially because they get a rush of blood, they go for a game that they shouldn't, they get sucker punched, it doesn't go right. But this is not good enough for England fans, apparently. And I, I really wanted to listen to some of those post-match reactions before getting into it. So, here are a few audio clips that I just couldn't pass up, that I had to get you in on. We're going to start with Nada Manua from ESPN FC, and he kind of just talked about the abuse and just the reactions in a lot of social media that, that players get, and how, in the end, Southgate's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. So, have a listen to this. Everyone is going to be criticized tomorrow. Yeah, but to be honest, in this instance, it's bigger than the press, press themselves. You know, they can write whatever they write, but there's still popular opinion that exists without reading the stories anyway. And, you know, given the social media area that we live in, you know, yeah. criticism as. As Don was saying at halftime in the game, England were getting hammered already. Sure. You know, in terms of the socials and all that stuff. And that's going to continue. And unfortunately for Gareth Southgate, having the England manager's job for me, doesn't one thing it doesn't give you is time. You know, there's an expectation in terms of success should be coming, even though the last success was in 66. There's always an expectation that, you know, this is the next thing. And ultimately, you know, it's, it's a tough spot for them to be in. And for him to say they're managing the tournament, yes, that's great, but you're also playing against Scotland. And as a fan base, you're going to be emotionally attached to that game, and you won't be able to see the bigger picture unless they come out and end up winning something. Yeah, and then he talks a little bit here about the social media pressure and abuse that players get. 
To be honest, I always find that with people who are in the public eye, why should they have to live a different life away from their profession and say other people because they know that they're going to be open to criticism? You know, they will go onto social media. People will talk about things. They have friends who, you know, who are listening to, like, what's being said about them. Like, for example, the goalkeeper for Scotland. The last week that I've just seen in terms of content about him, I'm mm. seeing Spider-Man, right. like, when he's wrapped up in the net. There's, yeah. like, an endless stream of things like that. And it's not designed to make the players or whoever feel good. But ultimately, that's the pressure that you have. Every time you're out there performing, you are being judged. And for this England team now, everybody expected them to beat Scotland. Everybody expected a good performance, and they've come out with neither. Yes. So now the criticism is going to be huge. Yeah. And that's the, as, you see, as you know yourself, you know, we can't deny this, the expectation amongst English football fans is to the point where it's almost as insane as... Well, I, at times it's insane because there's no success. There's sure. no success that's there. Yeah. But we always expect it. Yeah. So when it doesn't arrive... Okay. People seem to thrive in the criticism of the team and the whole setup. Yeah, big problem, honestly. Uh, it, it, this is the thing. is I, I get the feeling that England fans, more than any other group, just f- feed off of criticizing their team. 2018, that World Cup run, that was one of those amazing, beautiful things. It felt sort of like the excitement people had back in 96 at Euro 96. I remember I was in in England when that tournament was going on and and there was just so much excitement for that team, right? There was a lot of excitement again to the 2018 because guess what? The expectations going in were super low. Well, now that there's any kind of expectation whatsoever and they're actually very high, look at the way that people handle this. It gets even better. Look, if you've got high expectations for England, I would recommend you actually get behind the idea that the team can beat anyone and that you have to be optimistic for the future. I mean, look, we like to make fun. We like to do things on social media, and and, and there's there's creativity in the meme game. There's creativity in, in a lot of what we do as podcasters. But some of these pundits are just so freaking lazy. It blows my mind. Um, here's another couple examples from talk sport where basically it's the perfect blend of cowardice mixed with pragmatism, which yeah, sounds ridiculous. Basically those things as a combination, they don't belong in international tournament football. Sorry. If you're going to be, if you're not going to want to go and push yourself and at the same time, you just want to try and get nil nils and one ones all the time. And, and, and try and figure out the best route that you can sneak your way through the tournament. What, so you can go to the semis and lose? I mean, great, good, you made it to the semis, you lost. Like, that was the thing about 2018. England is so excited that they threw the game, that they were able to throw the game against Belgium and then get an easier route. Well, guess what? You lost to Croatia in the semifinal. The eventual champions, France, they had to go through Argentina, Uruguay, Belgium, and then in the final, Croatia. And guess what? That win, as a France fan, feels pretty sweet to have gone all that way. As an England fan, you go, oh, geez, our first real opponent that we faced in the knockout round beat us. Stop wanting the easy route. Just support and be optimistic for your team. Just listen to these clips. About what we saw tonight. All, all I know is that if France get the noses in front, they're difficult to well, break. Okay, down. let me ask you this: Do you want to avoid one of these teams in the next round? I would, yeah, probably. Right. So, so probably, do I, right? Probably, so do I. Yeah. So, probably. so here's the question: Right, if we finish second in our group, yeah. we play one of Poland, Spain, Sweden, or Slovakia, right? Yeah. I'd rather that. Yeah. 
than any of the teams I've just mentioned, apart from Hungary, obviously, right? Yep. So with that in mind, if we beat Scotland, yep. or if we get into a situation where in our last game against Czech Republic, if we lose it, we know we won't finish top of the group, thus getting a, in theory, easier route through. Mm -hmm. Surely every single England fan listening to this, including yourself, will want us to lose that last game. <laughs> what a dreadful question. I'm right I mean, though, aren't I? No, no, no one's going to go in. No England fans going to go in, hoping we win, no. hoping we get Portugal, hoping we get France, hoping we get Germany. No one wants that, do they? I don't know if you can go into a game hoping you lose either. But you, you can as a fan. You can hope you lose it. You can be not bothered. I don't. No, you want to. You want to. When we played Belgium in the World Cup, yep. and it, uh, the yep. first time, not the, not the third and fourth yep. play. Yep. If we would have yep. lost, which we did, we would have had an easier route through. Which, mm. in course, in fact, we did. Mm. Right? As an England fan. I think I did the show with you, and I was you saying did. we You've have to lose. Show. We have to. We have show. to send out. We're taking what twenty-three men. Let's yeah. send our worst <laughs> eleven. I know that's or not the best, not necessarily worst. But surely it makes sense, doesn't it? It's all about how far you go in the competition. But then, but then, if you're if you're in Group F and you're thinking something similar, why wouldn't you want to finish third? I'm just talking about us, though. I know, but you, I don't know if you can do that. Mate. If you were England manager and we were coming up against Czech Republic mm. and you knew that finishing second was better. Would you mm. put out full strength? If we've already qualified, no. Right. Well, there you go. If so you, would, you would want to lose that game? No. That, no, I've not said that. You put words in my mouth. What, I would, what I'm saying to you is, if we've already qualified, and therefore we're guaranteed of going through, I would then give the likes of, it, uh, assuming the likes of Rhys James doesn't play, assuming the likes of Grealish, uh, Calvert-Lewin doesn't start, maybe a goalkeeper, possibly Harry Maguire making a, his yeah. debut in this competition because yeah. he's become a injury. That's that we Henderson, think, him in. I think you'd go down that route. I think that's the route yeah, you would go I th down. I think but, we'd all agree. So you wouldn't not, go for but it. Not, yeah, but that's not deliberately picking a team to lose. No, it's but it's, what it is doing is not picking one to win. It's picking a team knowing the most important game is the one after this. Yeah. So you'd be picking a team not to win. No. I say again, picking a team would knowing the most important game is the one after this, not the one okay. we're Would about you be to picking play. a team to win? Yes. You, okay, let me rephrase it. Would you be picking the strongest team to win? No, I'll be picking a team knowing the most important game is the one after this. Right. When you when you sit in your dressing room and your team's lost, will you be happy? Uh, it depends how the loss is. 1-0. If, if it's a tight 1-0 and the boys no, will play well... No, it's irrelevant. No, no, no. You, well, you, finish, you finish second. You've yeah. just found out you've got Sweden. It depends what the game's like. Does, no, it doesn't. If we've been... If we've been Would dreadful, you rather play Sweden or Portugal? Here's my question. Um, you, beat, you beat Czech Republic, you've you got Portugal, you lose to them, you've got Sweden. Mate, Who do you want? Did you see Sweden last night? Okay. Slovakia. Do you see Slovakia, though? Poland. Any one of those teams what, what, I'd rather so, have rather than Portugal or France. Okay, so Poland have got Lewandowski, okay? Slovakia beat Poland, and Sweden basically... But you're having an argument with me. No, no, no. But you agree I'm, with what I'm saying. No, but what I'm Who sa would you rather have, any of those teams or, or but, France but, but, or... or... What, what I'm saying to you is you're not missing Spain there, either. No, because I don't want Spain either. But what I'm saying to you is, you can't, you can't just cherry pick. You can't just say, I want them. Sweden, no, Sweden it's, yesterday, it's, right? It's a marathon, we watched, not sprint. We watched the game yesterday, right? Sweden yep. sat there and frustrated the life out of Spain. Yeah, but frustrated the life out of them. They sat there, 4-5-1, defended, five at the back, six at the back sometimes, offered nothing going forward. Sometimes you actually want a team to say, you know what, come on, we'll have a go. And open up and gives you a bit more space to get in behind. All right. I'm not the biggest fan of Jason Cundy. Um but he made a lot of good points there. I would pick a team with the next match in mind, right? Okay, that's how you go and you don't throw a game.
But listen to this. If, if you are someone who you, if you are an England fan and you actually want your team to lose so that you don't play a quality side in the next round, like what, what kind of fan are you? You know what I mean? No, I hope you can get a big team that actually will want to attack you. Right, I mean, he makes a very good point that you get the life frustrated out of you by these small teams. I can attest to this, having watched uh, Hungary eke out a a 1-1 draw with France today and really put the fear of God in the French. I mean, these are things that you have to to keep in mind. In international tournament football, it is not about how far you go in the competition. It is about how well of an account you made for yourself in every game you played. That's it. Sometimes things don't go your way. But if you just try and figure out the easiest route to get deep into the competition and you don't prepare yourself to actually win games in big moments, you don't build a strong collective energy that's going to get you results at at really, really difficult times where you can suffer through defending against top sides. You're not getting into that training by hoping you play against some random second you know team that that's finishing whatever second or third in their group i just think that that's ridiculous i I love this right here there's this welsh supporter who really broke that idea down did a beautiful job check this out yeah but if you look back to england uh when you beat sweden in the world cup yeah does that do you hold that game close in your heart is no. that forever be a memory that you're going to share with friends and you're going to cherish it for them no well i've got that you know, if you if you if you go through, I know, Mike. Plans, but you're being sentimental, and you're knocking them out. Mike, who'd you rather have? Who'd you rather have replacing the last sixteen, Northern Ireland or Belgium? I mean, it sounds ludicrous, but I'll fancy Belgium again. Right, who'd you rather have replacing the last sixteen, Northern Ireland or France? France? Why not? You 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 get you get France. Why not? Because you're Wales. You get you you get France. You get B. You go out, fair enough. Well, you don't want to get beat, do you? Yeah, but you're you a win. And you beat them, and I've got another one of those you, games. Of course, of course, forever. Of, course, Mike, of course, if you beat them. But come on, Mike. You sound, you just sound a little bit silly. I'm asking a question. Do you want an easy team or a difficult team? You're saying I want a difficult team. It makes no sense. Well, I'm, I'm saying it's not for me to pick that. Football's not... That's not what football's about. No, but, I look no, back no, no. So but you're I, just talking in sound bites now. You phoned up a phoning show, and I'm asking you a question. So it is about that on the phoning show. Do you want a really difficult team or an easy team? Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, th- th- this supporter is dead right. He's talking about how back in Euro 16, Wales were able to knock Belgium out. Yeah, you talk about that game forever. Meanwhile, you know, your 1-0 win against Croatia, no one cares, right? Your 0-0 draw with Scotland, everyone seems to care for all the wrong reasons. Now, let's say you advance top of the group by beating the Czech Republic in a cagey, difficult 2-1 win. I mean, the problem is England fans will still see that as a problem. And then if that win gets you a draw against someone difficult, when a draw or a loss would have gotten you against an easy team, people are going to freak out. The, the amount of people that are going to be doing the math over the next couple days here to try and figure out what needs to happen in order for England to have the best route to the final, it, it's a clear, obvious sign. Stop being cowards. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the fact that these tournaments come around and they're a party. They're a football party. Like, have fun with it. Thank goodness that that day of games was over, that 
you know, and that we got a much, much better day today. I'm going to move on to that now and not spend too long on it because I've subjected you to quite a bit of uh, audio so far. But look, I mean, it's it's funny because the psychology of all that to me is 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 really, really bizarre. No one's really giving Southgate much of a chance at this point. And I know that he's got a difficult job. I don't agree with every decision he's making, but you know what? The team is alive, they're doing well, and they can move forward. When you look at the matches today, you started with Hungary, France, and Hungary, they defended valiantly. I mean, they worked. They put put their heart and soul into this game. And with 67,000 fans who, by the way, what an environment that they create. I mean, it was so much fun to watch that game, I guess from a sort of neutral perspective, but that's impossible for me to totally do because I am a France fan. Uh, tough day for Les Bleus. That was, um, that was a very difficult match. I think it's really interesting how the goal that they score is one of the few just, it's a punt out from Hugo Lloris and then Kylian Mbappe gets behind, drives down, pulls the ball back, poor clearance, Griezmann tucks it away. Hungary's goal was very good. Big mistake by Pavard. Very, very similar to the mistake that Kyle Walker made in the Champions League final against Chelsea where he just got too close to a player that was able to just play it by him. Look, that's a nightmare game. Playing against Hungary in front of their crowd is an absolute nightmare. I see why Portugal struggled so much, but I have to say, I think France were better than Portugal, where they created more opportunities. Um, Gulacci was great again, but France didn't get that really, you know, that set of five minutes where it just broke through. I think Hungary played very well. And then we went into this next match, which here we go again. As far as narratives go, I think this was the most interesting one. Germany went into this tournament not on a high, right? They're not riding a good wave going into the tournament. Joachim Love is going to be leaving. Everything kind of feels like maybe he should have gone a little while earlier, but he's such a nice guy. All the players like him, but, you know, what do you do? Okay, well, that story is sorted out, but we're still waiting. And there's a lot of people who probably wish Hansi Flick had just taken over before the tournament, especially when they lost to North Macedonia 2-1 in World Cup qualifying. And they had lost 6-0 to Spain earlier in the year. And and these two games were the entire focus of all of the broadcast punditry. Everyone in the lead-up to this game, that's all they wanted to talk about. All they wanted to talk about was how Germany were coming in and they were in big trouble. And they weren't playing well. And it's all going to go down. Meanwhile, on the other side, they're like, hey, Portugal, guess what? They have Cristiano Ronaldo. No one bothered talking about Diogo Jota. I don't think I heard Joao Felix's name once today player who I don't know I mean maybe he's injured and I'm not aware of this but why is he not getting playing time I'm not really sure Uh, either way Portugal were ripped apart by Germany and as this game was going in the first 15 minutes I was like well Germany are doing exactly what I expect them to do they're taking the game to Portugal and Portugal are just not that great defensively they're disorganized they're not physical enough Pepe's back there Mm, Kylian Mbappe is licking his chops at that matchup after watching Serge Gnabry make him do a backwards slalom course and almost fall over. But, I mean, I'm telling you, this is this this was, from what I saw, classic Germany. And a Portugal that don't look anywhere near like a team that should be able to win these Euros. Similar to last time around. They just, But last time around, they were better defensively, at least a little bit. Um... As we moved through this match, 
right? Portugal get this lead from a counterattack, and you got to give credit to Ronaldo. I mean, his box-to-box run is brilliant. Shows you that training, right? You saw him do that sprint, and he's just such an efficient runner. The way he, uh, the way he bolts at pace, gets his strides out on his toes the whole time. I mean, you, you watch that, you're like, yeah, that guy covered the ground in no time, basically without breaking a sweat. But Germany weren't to be deterred. I mean, they had already scored. Robin Gosens had a goal chalked off. And then it just, the floodgates just kind of opened up. And it felt like the score could go anywhere. When it was 2-1, I was going, this could easily be 4, 5, or 6 if Portugal aren't careful. Because Germany are carving open opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I don't know. I think they had over 20 touches in Portugal's penalty area in the first half alone. Incredible. Two own goals. Okay, as far as own goals go, I I, I I don't like this other narrative that, oh, we need to focus on the player that put the ball in the back of their own net because most of these are pretty difficult to do anything about. The, fir- the first one is practically a carbon copy of the goal that France scored against Germany, almost identical. The second one is just the other side, and that they basically were scoring the same goal over and over and over again. Renato Sanchez hit a ball off the bar that would have made things interesting when it was 4-2. Portugal scored one, you know, to get things going again. Diogo Jota from that pullback from Ronaldo. But the reality is Germany were far superior. The weirdest thing, though, watching this game on the American broadcast, it is frustrating. Derek Ray and Taylor Twellman, they would not let go of the narrative that Germany were still weak and, and vulnerable. It was so obvious after 20 minutes of this game that Portugal were going to, that we're not going to keep a clean sheet. And that if Germany was able to get in front and start getting confident, it could get ugly. I mean, that's what I saw by 35, 40 minutes into the game. And for some reason at halftime, all the analysts in the studio are still extremely cautious about, oh, well, watch out for Ronaldo. Ronaldo's always there. He, he might pop up and win the game for Portugal. Just look out. No one talked about how terrible Portugal were defending. Second half starts. I think when they had a two-goal lead, Germany, Taylor Twelman's like, me to manage. I'm surprised Joachim Love hasn't cha- made any substitutions. It's like the 65th minute, and he's like, you know, you got to start rotating people because or else, you know, Portugal's going to find that second win and they're going to hit you. I mean, enough. It's as if people forget who Germany is. Have you not learned over the years? Do not write off this nation. They're very efficient. They are strong. They win tournaments and World Cups. Basically, when not everyone else shows up and is their best, Germany are always hanging around. Do I think they'll win this competition? No. Are they capable? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they showed that today. Dismantled Portugal. And Portugal are in trouble. Uh, They didn't bring uh, Ricardo Pereira from Leicester. I know he had a long season of injury, but he did play in the last, you know, six weeks of the season. They didn't bring him, and Joao Cancelo just had to go home with a COVID-positive test. Nelson Semedo on the right. Uh, Apparently... That's that's not a very good option. I think Kylian Mbappe is looking at that and going, if I can get at Semedo and then Pepe, this is going to be a field day. So that's going to be very interesting. That final round of games, we've got in Hungary, Portugal against France, and then the Germans play against Hungary at home. I think Germany is going to easily book their ticket into the next round. I don't think they're going to have much of a problem with Hungary. Hungary won't have their crowd behind them. Portugal-France is going to be fascinating. And... The way Portugal play, they're not as good at bunkering down. 
what they like to do is attack. France are great at hitting you on the break. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. But right now, when I look at that, I see the matchup and the way it sort of tactically works out as really, really good for France. Final game of the day, Spain. And once again, a ridiculous narrative. Everyone's just going after Alvaro Morata. Morata, Morata, Morata. He can't, he can't score. He shouldn't be playing. It should be, it, it should be Jared Moreno. Okay, look. This is not an era where Spain have currently a top, top, top center forward. They don't. So just be cool with who you do have. Another example from the France perspective. In 1998, France's front, you know who France's target striker was? The main number nine that France had? It's Stéphane Guivarche, who, by the way, didn't score a goal all tournament, pulled a Giroud, but was actually even, he was terrible. He missed loads of good chances throughout the tournament. It was Dugarry and Djokaev who really were the ones that led the front line. But he played in so many of the games and was useless. You also had David Trizeguet and Thierry Henry who were starting to come through and really announce themselves in that tournament. And thank goodness for that because Givarche was absolutely awful. The thing is, you don't necessarily need a goal-scoring center forward all the time to be able to win the tournament. You just need a good togetherness. You need your big players to step up. And I think Spain have the best left back in the world, in my opinion. If you watch Jordi Alba today, first of all, tell me who can catch him. He looks like Alfonso Davies out there, just, you know, a foot shorter. But what I love about Jordi Alba is his distribution, his one-touch passing is sublime. He knows how to hit a one-touch ball either into someone's feet or to swing the ball or it's a cross. And he just creates so much havoc. Look, Alvaro Morata scores in the first half from a Gerard Moreno assist. Gerard Moreno misses a penalty. Uh, poor guy hits the post. This penalty stat is just getting more and more insane. And in the end, everyone was so focused on Spain center forward. Can't, you know, no one really talked that much about how Lewandowski has done almost nothing in international football at the highest tournament in, in these tournaments. He's done very, very little. Today, saved himself. And let me tell you right now, I was already planning to get, start making some kind of meme about how he's possibly the biggest flop in international tournament history that I can think of because he's the guy you need. And the goal he scored today was not complicated. It was a cross that came in. He got the nudge on Emery Laporte first, got the header in. But it, it, it's not a complicated goal. And I see Lewandowski a lot of the time sort of standing around, waiting for play to come to him. You're not at Bayern Munich, right? Alvaro Morata was doing the same thing on uh, the, when they played against Sweden, and he was doing the same thing at the beginning of the game here. The second he scored, he got so much more active. Having it, Being a Chelsea fan, I remember Morata at the club. He really struggled with confidence. When he was scoring goals... He was constantly involved making runs. As soon as the goals started to dry up, he stopped making as many runs, and basically he just faded from games, and the team stopped trusting him entirely. So good for him to get a goal today. Spain draw once again. They're on two points, but I don't. I really do believe Spain are going to win their final match and get through. But wow, what a time, what a day. It's been an amazing Euro so far, but my big, big takeaway from this day, from the last 48 hours, was – People, like, start thinking of narratives that get you in a good mood, get other people going, talking about something interesting. I'm tired of this constant bashing of one player that's struggling or one team or one lineup. Or I, I'm over it. Stop being so reductionist in your an analytical approach to this game. There's so much you can talk about. 
There's too much to talk about almost. So don't go with the most simple, stupid thing. And I'm really disappointed in a lot of these commentators and panelists and and pundits out there. And so this right here, this is a call to all of my podcasting friends, all of you out there who analyze and watch the game. We need to replace some of these people because to be honest with you, they suck. All right. Like some of these people, what they say, it's unresearched. It's lazy. And at the end of the day, it's just negative a lot of the time. So let's start a revolution here, everybody. Speaking of positive things, if you're watching the video, this shirt, I just want to give a shout out to my sister, Gemma, who bought this for me back in like, I don't know, 02. I got Michael Owen and David Beckham. And this is the ugliest shirt I own. And it's the most hilarious one. But it's, it's an England fan shirt. And I felt like sticking up for the English today because I almost abandoned being a club. I basically abandoned being a fan of this national team after 98 when I saw the abuse Beckham got for a red card. Young guy, makes a little mistake. They lose a game on penalties. Everyone blamed him, and the way people blamed him was horrible. The way people blamed Zidane for his headbutt on Matarazzi, which lost basically was a huge contributor to losing the World Cup final. The French were pissed. They wanted an explanation. They wanted an apology. But we didn't cancel our team. We, we don't do that every two years. Most of the rest of the people that follow these jer- these jerseys and these players and these clubs and these national teams, they actually want them to do well. And in doing that, they say, hey, I'm just going to support. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. And if I'm sad at the end of it, that's why we do this sport. If you want something very concrete and obvious that, and, and simple that you can predict, just don't, don't watch this anymore. And that's the reason why I'm not doing any predictions this week. Because guess what? Football is unpredictable. Enjoy it. The Euros are going to be over in just a few weeks. Enjoy it. England fans, please take that advice. And for the rest of you, don't be afraid to fight against the negative crap you hear on the waves. And add your voice to it. I implore you. You all have wonderful things to say. Thank you to all the listeners. Thanks to everyone who uh, has been... Just give me some support on Instagram as well. It's, it's been pretty fun to, to get some support on the videos, the jerseys and everything. And I hope for anyone watching, you like kind of the new setup. This is Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. Have a great day.